This is The Business We've Chosen, a podcast about art and business. As a former entrepreneur turned artist, I realized that being an artist is basically like running a small startup. And you, the artist, are the CEO. In this podcast, I interview successful artists, gallerists, collectors, and talk real numbers. Talk about their businesses, growth hacks, tools and tricks, and how they actually became successful. Hopefully teaching us all a trick or two. This is episode number one. I'm Kaladni, your host. And this week, we have a very successful and prolific artist, Jojo Anvim, uh, an old friend, and excited to get started. So let's jump right in. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your practice um, to give those in the audience kind of a framework on who you are, and then we can work our way from there. Uh, well, hello, everyone. I'm Jojo. And I am, a lot of people say, temporary pop artist in New York. I like to think of myself more... I guess along the lines of a uh, multidisciplinary artist, just being that I'm classically trained uh, digitally, and then uh, I'm venturing off into you know a lot of different disciplines of uh, the art world. Hopefully, that you'll see a little bit more of this year. But um, I'm based in New York City. My studio is in Chelsea. Um, I'm, I also live in Chelsea, and um, you know. Just uh, originally came by way of uh, doing a lot of uh, graphic work for um, companies that in the beginning, my first clients were more in the hospitality sector. That kind of just had this natural segue into uh, the arts and entertainment world where I was designing album covers for, you know, big record labels for a lot of uh, um, artists who were uh, musicians. And then that just turned into a lot of hotel branding, a lot of uh, large outdoor activations, a lot of uh, just overseeing, uh, you know, a brand's digital footprint, whether it be uh, on their website, a lot of uh, video stuff. So it, I'm, I'm, I have a very mechanical execution with my art. I tend to think that I am, have a good understanding of color palleting and uh, layering and typography and... Um, it's uh, everything that I do is just is, is, is very mechanical in its execution. So that begs a question. You, you were, I mean, I, that's where we originally met. I mean, I, I'm not going to admit how many years ago, um, but when you were doing like graphic design work and things along those lines, um, at, at what point did you finally decide like, uh, I need a change. I want to like, when did you decide to become an artist? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I always thought of myself as an artist as early as I can remember. But um, as far as seeing it as a viable career option, um, it was probably about six or seven years into my uh, graphic design career. Um, things were going very, you know, smoothly. And I liked what I did. I think at the time I thought that I loved what I did, but I didn't realize what uh, loving your career was until you actually become a full-time artist. But I was happy for a long time. And then you were, kind of did Were you making art at that time as well on the side or were you just doing the graphic design stuff? So art wa was picked up probably about five years into it. And then for a year, year and a half, I was kind of moonlighting as a painter, just doing it more as a... I guess I was like more in project discovery mode than anything else as a, as a, a lot of lawyers might call it. But um, I was just feeling it out, kind of just trying to develop my own visual language and trying to see, you know, where it could take me. And you, there's a lot of ideas that you have in your head and, and that I had in my head. And it was like they were all getting clogged up. I mean, for so many years, I really all I wanted to do was pick up a paintbrush 
And for whatever reason, whether it being kind of uh, size limitations in Manhattan in an apartment or just kind of maybe just general insecurity saying, you know, who do you think you are? Well, you're just going to start painting now. I kind of just kept putting it off and putting it off. And uh, I guess, you know, if you really are truly an artist, you, you're just you're going to have a breaking point. And you're going to say, all right, this just it just needs to happen. And um, I picked up, I went to Blick one day and I got some uh, garbage student tempera and whatever the cheapest paintbrushes they had were. And I just started getting these terrible ideas out of my head, which, you know, at the time I thought they were revolutionary and groundbreaking and all that stuff. But it's not to discount that either, because I think I think that if somebody is an artist or if somebody wants to be an artist professionally, it's important to just work out and work through whatever ideas you have, no matter, you know, how basic or trendy or whatever it might be or corny or whatever you want to call it, because it will, that that's how you kind of, you know, seed out or sift out the, what you will eventually find does not work. And through that, you'll see what you do like, and you'll kind of take that and you develop it and it'll, turn into something that you probably never would have imagined it would be. And then, you know, uh, wheat paste will turn into a Xerox transfer. That Xerox transfer will turn into a stencil and the stencil will turn into something that's hand painted. So it's, it's, it's important to always yeah, it's, kind of just, uh, just keep evolving and, and, and seeing and asking yourself what's next. Yeah. I've, I've got, obviously as an artist, I've gone through that struggle and that process and I, it's it's i always find that you know you have that idea in your head and then it takes like a couple of years to get the idea out of your head and yeah. the mistakes along the way somehow turn into like four other different ideas and then eventually you find something really cool that people seem to like and cling to and you're like oh <laughs> there it is um, yeah. i'm literally having one of those moments right now so uh, i i the new word. I, I i see and feel and hear exactly what you're talking about um and so you start making some art um how did you go about like letting people know that you're making art? Who'd you sell you for? Like, when did you sell your first piece? Like how'd that happen? Well, um, like at what point did you say, wow, someone's giving me money for this. I can make this a job. And what was, and at the time I always like to ask, what was the money? (laughs) It takes, uh, it takes, at least in my case, it takes seven years to become an overnight success. So, um, I was fortunate enough early on to, have a pretty organic following of my work. A lot of that had to do with just kind of just with the general networks and the people that I was uh, tied into through, you know, my day job as a graphic designer. Um, I don't need to tell Sean, there's a lot of uh, very eccentric characters who operate in New York, particularly in like the hospitality industry. And um, you're going to meet people that you maybe just in any other world lifetime or location would never meet in any other circumstances. So it was kind of just this perfect storm of creating what I wanted to create. Um, Instagram was kind of uh, just having its breakout moment as, as something that was becoming mainstream and leveraging relationships that I had. So those three things kind of very serendipitously aligned at the right time and i uh started you know posting some work on instagram i started sharing with friends it was going around organically and pretty quickly um i was i was making sales 
it is it is an arbitrary world when it comes to how do you you know create a market for yourself, streamline your pricing, understanding kind of what is your place and and, and those things. But but for- by the way, that's uh, that's one of the like the I, the the points of this podcast. Just to go into those things a little deeper is sure. like how people decided to do that. Like you know, did you just like lick your finger, hold it up in the air, and be like eight hundred bucks, yeah. or like what what was the the process and what was because your work now sells for for a pretty good amount of money. Like, how, what did that transition look like, and what did that progression look and feel like? Um. Well, I, I guess the the most important thing is is that you one should always have a good understanding that if you are going to go into something and you want to make um a, you want to create a marketplace for yourself, it's very important to be conscious of longevity and you don't ever and, and that's one thing and then the second thing is i i just a motto in life in general is i'm not a big fan of people who you know are are egotistical arrogant a lot of, it's very easy for someone to make one large sale and think that oh you know th- this is where i'm at in my life right now because those people generally you'll see them they'll just be a flash in the pan and they'll fade out so my general philosophy and approach when kind of just attacking uh my initial market was um going to galleries and and seeing you know what was going on out there now that's not to say that you should go to uh you know david zwerner or hauser and worth or something like that and say oh this painting i could do that i'm gonna price it that's not what i mean what i mean is Look at comparable artists who are young, people who are emerging, people who are doing the same thing that you are doing and kind of have the same clientele as you and be a good person and, and, and tell them that you admire their work and reach out to them and kind of see what they do and what their approach is. And um, you will get a feel for what the marketplace commands for something that is new. And it's always a very touchy subject when you're talking about uh, putting dollar signs and connecting it to paintings and artwork because, you know, art is not supposed to be commercialized. But at the end of the day, I mean, if it's, it is. That, that's the, the basis of the art market is, is exactly that. It's, it's what you bought it for and what you sell it for. But I don't subscribe to that theory. I think that everyone should not be so concerned with getting the most amount of money for their work. But I also don't think that you should try to sell it as quickly as you possibly can. And what I mean by that is it's okay to have a work sitting around and say, you know, decline a few offers. If you think someone is a little bit of a shysty person, a little bit of a, you know, shrewd, arrogant business person, and maybe that's not someone you see any kind of future with, hold on to the work. It's it's a very emotional thing. I mean, it's something that you created with your own hands. Find the right person and find and and just be good to people and eventually i know it sounds uh tacky in many ways but the truth is the universe will eventually take care of itself and and that's a that's a personal guarantee you get from me it's just the it takes a lot of patience it takes a lot of patience and it also create a quality product be good to people and be patient and eventually things will fall into place and there is no magic you know formula that's going to say uh, oh, you made a 30 by 60 painting and you're X amount old and you just started here, so your painting should be this much. It's, it's ridiculous to think like that. If you have a family friend who 
you know that they are, you know, even they have their toe in the art world and they think, and you, this is someone that you trust and you know it's going to be in their collection for a long time and they're not going to try to flip it or, or whatever. You know, that to me is worth a lot more than a $5,000 check for a painting because that's going to pay a dividend uh, over time. And um, this idea that there's some kind of magic formula to price out your paintings is, you know, maybe there is one, but ultimately, I think the most important thing is, is kind of just keep your head down. Don't get uh, caught up in what other people are doing. Create what you want to create. Love what it is that you're creating. Create a, a body of work that you are proud of and that you want to show the world. And explain it. And, and in a, you know, I don't want to say that it, you, you should romanticize it in a way and, and be transparent with kind of what your thought process was, was going into it. What's your background? What's the story? Why was this executed in a certain way? And I think when people hear the personal story and something that was created by hand, eventually, you know, uh, people will, will find their own value in it. And you, you, like anything else in life, you just learn and you, and you evolve and you adapt and you go from there. Yeah, I think that we look at ourselves, you, what you said there, we, we talk about a lot, which is, is the idea of narrative and having kind of like a, um, a storyline and, and just it's, it's even more than the art. Like a lot of times people invest because they think the art is beautiful, whatever, but they're also investing in the artist. They're also investing in the narrative. They're also investing in all of those things together. Um, and you know, you know, as well as, as all of us, like we we're, we're like the CEOs of our own little businesses, right? Like some, some bigger businesses, but that we're, you know, you're the marketing department, you're the fabrication department, you're the, the, um, you know, social media department, you're doing all these things. Um, and you know, you have building that story and, and building your career from work to, to something more substantial. Um, I actually thought you got me on a bunch of sidetracks for a bunch of questions. Um, I'm going to go back to the pricing in a little bit. Did you find where was when you first got started? Where did you find most of the inbound traffic came from? Was it, was it Instagram? Was it salaries? Was it from friends and family email lists? Um, sorry, I'm playing with my. Um, where was uh, where was the main input in terms of customer? Um, the, the, the short answer is it was a little bit of all those things. Uh, Instagram definitely helped, um, probably more so then than it does now, but now it's terrible. It's really, it's, it's getting worse by the day. I mean, it's, it, it, it's, I guess it was, it was a little bit of everything going forward. It was, um, you know, I, I was fortunate enough, like I mentioned before, to have a very good, solid network of people who really just, you know, understood who I was as a creator, um, followed my journey kind of from uh, from the commercial point of view, the graphics art point of view. And then they adapted into being my collectors. Um, so I'll give you an example. For a long time, I was uh, the head creative consultant at uh, Tao Group and Tao is a just a phenomenal hospitality company and they own everything from Lavo, Marquis Avenue, Dream Hotels, the rooftops over there. And I, and I oversaw a lot of their stuff and they just got, the, the, the company, it's a, it's a fantastically run company and it starts at the top and they always 
did right by me. And they kind of gave me carte blanche to do what I wanted on the digital front. And they never got in my hair. By the way, time out, just so you know, one of the main reasons I pivoted out of graphic design into painting was because a lot of times I was creating what I wanted to create on a digital front. And there would be people in a marketing department who, you know, maybe haven't even been out of college for six months saying, oh, can you change the font or can you change the colors or asking me to kind of butcher my own art, which I said, you know, this is I, I had an issue with that just because I said, you know, it wasn't correct. And of course, always at the end, after going reviews to the top, they said, you know, we'll stick with the original. So but, you know, uh, Noah, Jason, John Schwartz, Joe Freeman, the whole team at Tag Group really, really love them a lot. and. I worked with them and they saw what I was doing and then they started placing my work. Um, they so they placed my work in uh, PhD rooftop at the at the Dream Downtown. I did uh, the design for the mural walls at the uh, Fishbowl in uh, Dream Midtown. And it was kind of just unique placement. And it was, again, just, you know, a good example of being able to leverage existing relationships and if just have them organically evolve into what would be the next step in in one's career so there was no silver bullet that said oh here's what it is and this is how i got my clients it was a lot of it had to do with kind of the spillover from what i was doing again it was like uh so you you know you leverage your relationships that you have your relationships instagram obviously helps you know just as a way of being able to visually see what someone is creating and and it's instantaneous as opposed to you know maybe a musician wants to post music's hard for someone to sit through like a four minute song um but instagram was a help uh leveraging relationships that you have that are existing and then uh i i hate to use the word luck i i don't like the word luck because i don't think that there's any coincidences in this world but you put yourself in the right place at the right time and you're prepared you'll meet some people that um you know you'll be able to help that will be able to help you out and you'll be able to help them out and um and i was fortunate enough to have those also so it's kind of just the the culmination of all of those things and and staying humble you meaning you know never think like okay i figured it out it's done now now i can just take my foot off the gas because I don't think anyone should ever do that. And that's not limited to art. That's in any industry. Nobody should ever do that. You should always, you know, know that uh, it's it's a, a privilege and it's you have to be very fortunate to just know that if you are active in any industry, but I mean specifically art and especially in a city like New York, um, always stay humble because it's, it's a very fickle industry and uh, you don't want to... Um, you, you don't you don't want to be one of those people that uh, just gets too high in themselves, and, I, and I've seen many many times many people that are very talented, but their personality gets the best of them. So, what percentage back when you started? Like, was it fifty fifty? Uh, like, in terms of um, where you where your kind of inbound came from? Was it like fifty fifty relationship? uh social media what gallery like what was what was like the breakdown then versus and what's your breakdown now like where does most of your traffic come now or your sales come now um it's a good question so and it's funny because as 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 i like to think of myself as somewhat of an entrepreneur but uh in, in terms of keeping numbers and metrics and, and those kinds of things it's uh it's so foreign to me anything that is administrative is like honestly something that's that's the one thing that makes me cringe more than anything. I <laughs> pay for this kind of stuff. So, so I, uh, actually, that brings me to another really quick question. Do you have a team of people? 
or do you, is it just you that you, you slog through it all yourself? Or do you try to like find people to offset your weaknesses and, 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 and do the things you, you can't stand? I have my, who I'm looking in front of right now. So she's staring at me and she's smiling right now because she said, Oh, you're going to do a podcast with me? Oh, that's me. She is officially, when I put the ad up, I said I was looking for an assistant, but she has since become kind of my partner in crime here. And it's, it's, it's good to know that, um, you know, there's a lot of moving parts in this world and, um, you got to know what you're good at. You got to know what you're not good at. And I know that, uh, some of the things that maybe I'm not so good at are, are just general logistics of things. Um, I'm a very, uh, I, I don't know what the exact, uh, terminology would be. I guess some would call it ADD. I tend to, uh, lose my train of thought very often. I have 50,000 things going in my head and she kind of keeps me in my lane and say, here's what we got to do today. This is what we're doing. And, and it is very, very effective. So if it's ever, and so important, it's very, very important. And, and especially for me, just because, uh, I know myself and, and, and one second I'll be, you know, <laughs> filing a tax return. And the next second I'll be like, Oh, Vince is having a sale. I need new t-shirts after I get an email. So she's also the one to slap me in the face and say, Hey, but, um, well, so what was the original question? I'm sorry. I don't know. I just, totally- no, it's quite all right. I do it all the time. Uh, the original question was, uh, what percentage of your work, like just trying to see, like, has it evolved? Like when you first started, what right. percentage was friends versus online versus now? Yeah. Um, and, and just to get a sense of, uh, or was it galleries or like, when did you start? Like as those different aspects and those different, um, funnels, if you will, kind of came in, yeah. what, what did that look like? I'll break it up into two, um, kind of two eras. I guess the first era was I started painting in 2013, 2013 to 17. Everything was done. Um, mostly friends, friends of friends, friends of friends of friends. Um, a few, you know, email inquiries here and there. You sell something, uh, you know, a DM here and there, you maybe whatever. And, uh, and, and, and that was cool. And then from 2017 on, I kind of uh, just tied in the belt, and um, I guess my my main focus was how do I market myself, but how do I market myself organically? And um, what ended up happening post-2017 was um, I, I had a few good existing collectors. They had introduced me to some very, very in- influential people. Uh, some of which you've probably seen on my Instagram. There was uh, one Selena Gomez. There was uh, a lot of basketball players who um, they had connected me with. And that turned into, uh, it kind of went, one of those things just went viral. There was somebody who had reached out to me and she had, was very vague as far as who her, who she was. And she said, I have a few questions regarding this thing. And I spoke to her and she was a New York Times reporter and she was doing a story on one of the uh, NBA players at the time. And I had inv- I said, I'm not going <laughs> to I told her I'm not going to answer any questions that you have over email. And then she said, oh, fine, I'll call you. She called me. I said, I'm not answering any over the phone. I said, if you want to come, you can come to my studio, visit me in person. And um, maybe maybe you'll get some material. And, and after that meeting, she said, you know, 
I guess, I don't know, some people might say it was by design. I don't think so exactly, but uh, she ended up doing a story. Sounds like it. <laughs> and it was, uh, was kind of, it was a very, um, I, I, I could definitely say that that was definitely a very, very big turning point in my career was when she, I mean, it ended up going on the cover of the Sunday uh, New York Times. And um, from then on, things pivoted. Um, so that was like a big inflection point. That was definitely a very big inflection point. There's no question about that. I mean, th th there's, you know, there's a lot of press going around. There's a lot of things going on. But, but uh, you know, New York Times print Sunday edition is a, yeah, hopefully everyone will be lucky enough to experience what I mean. Yeah, it's by a big thing. It's a big thing. Yeah. So, you, you know, you meet a lot of people and and, um, and you have to be conscious of, of kind of the people that you're speaking to because it's you, you are fielding, you know, maybe a thousand emails a day for the day or two that it comes out. And, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, things in there that maybe one might just overlook or something like that. So I was fortunate enough from then on to say, you know, I met a few good people over here. Some people said, you know, I, I see a vision of you doing X or Y or Z. And um, uh, one of them was a uh, uh, gallery that had reached out to me and they said, you know, we, we read the article in the Times and we'd love to represent you. And uh, his name is Joe and he's down in Naples and he's a very, very good guy. He's a good friend of mine now. He's almost like a brother to me. And the the paradigm kind of just shifted from there. It, it, it came from being just the mom and pop shop to saying, you know, I need to think like, what is the bigger picture over here? I can't just be answering DMs and emails and saying this is X, but I'll give it to you for Y. I need to kind of streamline what my market is. I need to have this cohesive visual language. Things need to be done, organized in series. And I cannot, uh, you know, undercut people. So if I'm going to, I can't be selling paintings for X and then having the gallery selling them for X3. So up until 2017, it was kind of, um, I don't want to say it was like the Wild West because I did have some kind of a grasp on it, but it was just, it was a very mom and pop feel to it. And then after 2017, that's when I started. Um, you started treating it more as a business. You, you know, you, you, you keep a tight inventory. Everything has a serial number after that point. You kind of, um, you, you create your, your sheets every, and every three months you have to update pricing and this and that, and you got to let your galleries know and it turns into a work of people. And the, so, but the, so these are the interesting things. So like before that, like at what point, so one of the things here, this is, you know, uh, this is part of the, the, the most famous artist community. And one of the things we, that the community does is actually try to frame you know, artists who let's say haven't made it yet, so to speak. Um, but let them realize like it was at that point that you realize like that, wait a sec, I have to know where all my pieces are. I have to know who bought them. I have to know I've got to keep track of them. I have to yeah. make sure galleries have updated sheets. So we actually supply and, and give that framework to people. Mm -hmm. Um, so that like, cause if you go into a gallery and you give them a bunch of tear sheets and you present your work in a certain way, they take you much more seriously than if you just walk in and be like, Hey, look, this is my work. Right. Yeah. So, that, and so understanding how that switch in your life took place and mm -hmm. who kind of guided you through that. Okay. Now you're like an artist artist. This is how you have to kind of, to, to, to this will make your life easier. Like who was it that gallerist that helped like kind of drive you in that direction? Or did you just figure it out on your own? I, I honestly just figured it out on my own, but I've always, I've been lucky enough to kind of just be, I, I was instilled with a very, uh, 
I had an entrepreneurial spirit since as early as I could remember. So um, I have definitely been guilty of being, you know, maybe a habitual procrastinator over the years, which I am still guilty of right now. And uh, it's it's very easy to just kind of kick the can down the road for me, particularly some people are more type A, they're more aggressive, they're more proactive. I think I'm a little bit more of a reactive personality type. But when I see that there is opportunity and it's knocking on my door, I realize that it would be so it, it would be criminal for me to kind of just not evolve and and understand and learn and say what is the next thing that I need to do. So it goes back to kind of these things that many, many, many people who are entrepreneurs will tell you is the most important and uncomfortable part of evolving as a professional is always going to be kind of those growth spurts that you're going to go through. So I, I don't know that anybody likes them, honestly. I, I think just by nature of what they are, I mean, it's just change. Human beings, the way that we're genetically programmed, we don't like change. But when you look back after you've adapted and you've realized what your new existence is, you look back and say, oh, I'm so glad I did that because now it's so much better as a result. So it's kind of just this willingness to be able to accept that you need to implement new systems, understand that you need to, you know, maybe take on some costs that you originally you are not uh, used to taking on, whether that be, you know, rent studio space or whether that is, you know, signing up for, let's say, art base or, you know, revamping your website or, you know, there's any number of things that it can be, but, you know. What's art base? Yeah, art base is, uh, you know, it's the gold standard of just your basic inventory and uh, understanding what's going on in terms of uh, what you have and who's got what and where it's selling to you and invoicing and just everything that goes along with that. Nice. Uh, that's, yeah. I always look for it. For, I use um, yeah. art base. <laughs> oh, fantastic. How much time do you spend actually making art versus all your other uh, duties, marketing, outreach, you know, client, uh, customer development, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, I don't know. It's, it's, there's no perfect, uh, again, it goes back to the thing that I said where I kind of just don't have general metrics on these things because it's not, it's just, I just do what I feel needs to be done. So maybe one week I'll be painting, you know, 10 hours a day for five or six days. Um, and then one week I might just, you know, be focusing on creating a con concept for someone who might be a potential client. And I think that it's important for me to give it my all. So I, what do I love about being an artist professionally? You don't know what to expect one day to the next. What do I hate about it? Exactly the same thing. I've never been someone who had like, you know, a hard defined regimen from as far as my day-to-day -day activities are concerned. Um, but I guess if you were to generalize it, you could say that I spend at least a few hours a day, every day painting with the exception of, uh, Friday evenings and Saturdays. That is Shabbat for those of you, I don't know, maybe some people might be familiar or not. I'm totally off the grid when it comes to Shabbat. And, uh, I find that it's just a good way to kind of reset your brain. I go off the grid, phones off, can't reach me, anything business related, knock on my door, say, I want to buy a painting for a million bucks. Sorry, I'll see you tomorrow. That's that's the mentality. And uh, some people think it's crazy, but uh, I think it's what keeps me sane. So everything, everything can wait a day.
Yeah, everything can wait a day. Ain't that the truth? So, you know, it's, it's hard to say, but the most important thing is I, I think it's, it's not a matter of, hey, uh, do this for X amount of hours and do that for the, the opposite. I think, I think it's more important about managing your priorities and understanding, you know, I, I see a lot more potential in something that is a, uh, you know, maybe just a rendering for someone who is coming along versus something where, you know, you could put it off until tomorrow or the next day or the next week, you know, managing your priorities is a, is a, is a very, very big thing. And, um, and like creating a market for your art, there is no secret from you that everybody's different. Everyone knows what they're good at and bad at. And, and it's just being able to recognize that and, and do your best to kind of just, you know, tread water because, uh, it just varies person to person. So another question for you, because we always kind of ask here, um, do you do commissions? And if so, do you like doing them? Do you hate doing them? Do you, is it part of your practice or is it something that, that like, how, how do you approach them and <clears throat> how do you approach them? Not only from a production and working with the customer, but a pricing scenario as well. Cause we like to talk like nuts and bolts here in terms of like, dollars and cents and how you how how people fit how artists think sure. about some of these things versus others well i think generally if the first thing is if you go into a chelsea gallery let's say something that's uh, maybe they're you know high-end mfa emerging or you know kind of just getting their feet on the ground established artists whatever the pricing is if you want to commission something the general rule of thumb is if you want to do something custom and assuming the artist will take that project on it's usually double so if it's a 40 by 40, 50 by 50 painting and it costs X, it's usually X times two if you want to do something custom. As far as whether I do custom work, I would say that of the proposals that I get for custom commissions, I usually I take on about uh, two out of three. One out of three, I will kind of say, you know, it's not really my speed. Um, and I'll try to maybe point them in a the direction and say, hey, look here, look there. Um the most often requests I get is they'll look at, at, at kind of what my body of work is. They'll understand what my visual language is and they'll say, we love this painting. We love the subject matter of it. But, you know, can you omit the nudity or the cigarette imagery or, you know, whatever it might be a little bit testy or salacious or, or whatever, what have you. So that I'm obviously very cool with because they're not asking me to kind of, you know, redevelop something or, or, or change the narrative of it. But you do get, you know, from people, you do get people from time to time who ask for things that are, are, are very, you know, just corny or egregious or, or, you know, someone came in and asked me, can you make a painting of my cabinet company logo? <laughs> and this was a well-to-do person. They had a very, very healthy budget. And they, to me, it's just, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to paint somebody's uh, cabinet logo as part of my, my, and sign it as my own. So I, I guess it varies. Yeah, that feels like you're going a little. Feels like you're going backwards for something like that. Nah, it's not even about going backwards. I, I, I think the most important thing is, is um, I'm not going backwards, and I'll tell you why. Because at no point in my life would I've ever done that. So if you, going backwards suggests, you know, I was going <laughs> back to do that. I would never, I would never say that I would paint someone's, make a painting of my own, and put their logo front and center of, of something that ridiculous. But it is important, I think 
to accommodate people who maybe they'll say we like this can do it in a larger size or i know historically there's a you know urban legend maybe it's a true story i don't know of basquiat screaming at someone for saying that they wanted to have green on their painting and my living room is green or something like that he said i'm not an interior designer you know that i could work with you know if they say hey uh we like this painting what can you do without uh whatever it is I'm, I'm i'm flexible when it comes to that because i i don't, I don't think that's encroachment but there, there needs to be a line drawn. And, and for me, it's kind of just, uh, does this make sense? Does this translate into what I'm doing? Is this a part of my body of work? Am I going to look back in this in one year, five years, 10 years and, and, and be proud of it? And if I think of that and I say, yes, I will be, then I'll take it on. If I think to myself, no, then sometimes it's not easy to make that decision, but I just, you know, will respectfully decline. Another question. Do you only... Because I pretty much know your work just as originals. Um, do you do? Do you ever do prints or other kind of lower price point? Like, because your work—I mean, your work ranges now what in the in the ten to thirty range, ten to fifty range. Um, it's top that. It's 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 gone higher than that. But uh, wow, okay. God bless your heart, sir. As far as like print, multiples, editions, and stuff like that, no, never did any prints, never did any multiples, never did any edition, nothing like that. The now, only, why is that? Um, did, did you not see, like, in terms of opening your market up to to different people I, or a different price point, or you were just making enough money that you just didn't care? Uh, Fuck it. it was never a calculated decision. I never said, oh, I, and, and I definitely don't hate on anyone who does any prints or any editions or anything like that. It just was never... It, it, it was never a calculated decision where I said, oh, I'm not going to do this because X, Y, or Z. It has nothing to do with that. I, in my personal experience, have found that the most effective use of my time was creating new paintings. Because I have found that that is when I am, I guess, the, the, a better way to put it is this. I wanted to create a new – I just wanted to paint. All I want to do is paint. That's my passion. My passion is to paint and create paintings. I'm, I'm, I'm classical in that sense. So that's not to say that I won't do prints or I won't do editions or anything like that. But I'm consumed. I mean, I, I'm in the, in the vortex of just creating new original art to me. That is the best thing that I could be doing with my time right now. And eventually you have forever to kind of – duplicate them but for me to create new and original ideas and execute them i want to get those out as fast as i can and i don't mean by rush them i'm just saying you you start your career as an artist and you have these ideas and your ideas run wild and to me it's a ticking time bomb or it's a clock or as bob dylan once said it's kind of like this 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 well of creativity that you only have when you're young and the idea is just to to just, you know, pump that well while you can, because you don't know where you're going to be in five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. So just get your ideas out. When you start, um, at least for me, this is what I mean. I'm just thinking for me specifically, because I know that a lot of people might have a different, and I, and I totally respect that, but um, I need to get my ideas out. And I, I it's, it's only, it's, it's, it's all not only just, you know, it is mainly for, my own 
creative development. Because if I don't get them out, there's going to be a bottleneck in my brain. So I need to get my ideas out. And I, the only way that I know that I could tra- translate them and translate them efficiently and effectively is through painting. Now, once they're they're done, I'll say, oh, I could do, uh, you know, some variation of it or, or whatever it is. But the paintings are there and everything kind of gets documented. Everything is, is photographed in, in very high resolution and sometimes they're scanned. So if, if one day I, I, I do want to put out a print or I do want to put out a multiple, I have that. But but I it, it to me, it, it's a lot of uh, hours and a lot of manpowers and uh, stuff like that where I just think to myself that it's right now not a good use of my time for now. That's fair. That said, I have seen, because I've seen it on the side of a building, you click the other direction, which is not more but larger. Uh, did the, um, ended up doing, I mean, it was more than a billboard. I think it was, you painted the side of a building, no? It was the, uh, it was the side of a building that was painted. It was not only me, it was me and maybe seven other people. But more importantly, it was, uh, it was conceptualized by me. I, I, I did a design on it and, um, and then we kind of mapped it out, and and uh, I mean that is a, is a totally different animal. That's something that is obviously very uh, you know it's not you don't, you don't get those kinds of things often. But when you do, you want to make sure you execute them correctly. And um, for me to go on scaffolding and to paint that by hand, a would take forever, and b it would not be done the way that I wanted it to be done. I'm a graphic designer by trade. I create things in Illustrator and Photoshop in vector format and i say that i want it to be executed looking exactly like i see it on my screen so if i were to do that it not only would it take a very very long time but it wouldn't look the way that i want it to look so i had to hire a team of people to who were professional commercial artists or painters i said here are the dimensions of what we're doing over here here's the color palettes here's your pantones over here this is what we're going to do we're not going to use any aerosol we're just going to use house paint and um I just like an architect is, is telling the builders how to build a building. And I was there on the scaffolding doing it myself also, but I definitely needed the help for that. And I, I think you, everyone should always welcome, you know, help. Like it, it, I am it, so glad you said that. Cause that looks super dog. I, I always wanted to know how you pull that off. <laughs> not, that's what it was. I mean, it was, it was me. But by the way, the name of the company that, Oh man, what was the name of that company? Oh man. Oh man. Oh man. They're going to kill me if they're listening to this right now. Um, well, if you make this a podcast, I'll find out, and then we'll put it in there. <laughs> That's it. Now I'll, I'll edit it appropriately. Yeah, please. <laughs> they're they're really good people. I just haven't had the opportunity to work with them again. Sadly, I might add. The, have you done any other work of of immense scale, or is that uh, uh, do you do like other street art type things, or or is that also just kind of like a a, a specialty item? Um. You, you get requests, you know, from time to time, you get requests. You get someone's, uh, has this thing going on, they got that thing going on. Uh, as far as like, like outdoor large scale like that, there's a few things that are in the works right now. Let's see what ends up happening with them. I don't know. I, uh, we'll see what ends up happening. I'm not sure. It's and, not, yeah, I, I fo- my, my day to day activities are really, truly focused on creating large format paintings. The, and you just, I just noticed uh, through the power of Instagram that you've also recently moved into new, like a new studio dig. Um, 
where is it? And like, I've, I also just moved into like a new place. So the idea of, of, um, uh, the, your work environment drastically affecting the, the, the productivity and time of the work. Um, how, how do you find where you work versus like the qual, like how you work? And do you well, find a correlation between those? Sean, you've been to my old place, right? I mean, I, I didn't want to <laughs> say it, but I was in your first apartment. Go ahead, for that's when, good. When your first apartment, which was like a little graphic when you were graphic designing still, and it was like the, the the place that had the stairs in it, the duplex place, right? It sounds very fancy, but it was not fancy. It was like six hundred. No, it was, the duplex is a stretch. It was like <laughs> like think small, think small loft that had a bed that was so, it was so small the that there was studio like a apartment. Bed it was a, yes, exactly, exactly. But that that would that that's where you started, right? Like yep. that, I remember. I, I and there was like so many paint, like. um I, got, I remember there's so many hard paintings leaning against said, the wall. No, my friend said, he said, you caved yourself in. What are you going to do now? I was like, I have no idea. And then yeah. I, uh, I, and then I moved to, uh, the place that you came to also on 27th street, which was, uh, just, uh, like a walk up loft in Chelsea, which was obviously like much bigger, but also, you know, I, it was, it was amazing for the time. And, uh, a lot of, you know, the most pivotal things in my career happened over there. And then um, that kind of also reaches the expiration point. And uh, now I am uh, um, now I, I just lease a place, which is uh, a, it's it's basically it has the same footprint. It's just an open loft, except the first floor is a ground floor garage, and the second floor is uh, a apartment. So it's it's kind of I work downstairs and I live upstairs, and. I'm just not the kind of person that I, I have found one thing that I is consistent with me is I I've been consumed by my own work for a very, very long time. And while it could be a good thing because you're constantly exposed to it. So you think to yourself, how do you, you consistently critique yourself and you're just immersed in it at a certain point, you just need a little bit of a breather and you say, you know, I need to separate where I live and work. And, and this was a very, very welcome change. And honestly, Sean, you got to come stop by. That's the other thing I'll say about that. Yeah. I, when I, when I get back to, I haven't been to New York and since COVID. So, uh, I will be back to New York this summer for sure. Uh, and I, you are on my list of places to stop. I, I look forward to, um, I, I look forward to seeing it. I, I like the, the progression. Um, I like the progression over time, not only just in the work, but also like in your practice and the scale of the operation and the, in the, like, you know, we, we, once again, we all run businesses, right? And so you've gotten to the point where like your business is like hit that scale point and it hits an inflection point, your prices have gone, your, your workspace has changed, your team is growing, like all these things kind of grow commensurately. And so it's very interesting and it's always nice to see someone who has been able to navigate that growth in a, you know, in a clean and successful way. Um, yeah, it's, it's always been, yeah. And just, mm. uh, and you know, knowing that you wanted to be an artist, uh, you know, a story that, that I don't even know if you know, or remember this, but I, when I first started making art, I was making art for a long time, but then I first started putting stuff on, uh, the internet. And I was, you know, I was in the hospitality business, so I had like a different life and I was putting things under like, like monikers or fake names or something. And at one point you were like, I remember, but tell me what it was again. 
I forgot. I think one was like graffiti and one was, they were something stupid. You didn't um, say the honest. Be honest. Come on. Come clean right now, Sean. Yeah. One was graffiti. I did a lot of work with glitter. So I did graffiti and there was oh, another yeah. one. Yeah. The hammers. I remember that you had the, the tools and they were yeah. glitter. And then you would do the street activations, which were. Uh, yeah, those were cool. Fire hydrants or something like that. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah, that. So- yeah, at some point I'm going to go back and actually revisit that. But oh, at one point I'll never forget. And actually, you were Uncle Rodney, you were the one doing this. You should be taking claim for this. I remember yeah, that. That's one hundred. That's one hundred percent. And because of that, I was like, huh, you know something? I'm going to become. I'm just going to be Sean Kalani. I changed it, and it served as like one of the first inflection points of my art career. As uh, like it kind of changed the trajectory, and the, the, at, once I took ownership of it and made it um mine so to speak like it completely changed the way people saw me and saw it so just as as a side just a uh, thank you because you whether you realize it or not you were influential in, in one of my uh kind of transitions in life so i I'm, appreciate it but understanding right that now. is a business I'm, I'm raising my club foot right now whatever you have in your hand cheers to that because i like to hear that and and i appreciate that and uh i'm, I'm happy to hear that that was i love that thank you so are you now in the stage that you were at? I know you always talk about like kind of you have to like keep your foot on the gas and keep the pedal going. So what are you doing to kind of like like I would assume you get a lot of inbound projects at this point. Like are, is it mostly are you fielding mostly inbound or are there like bigger things that you're kind of reaching out to do or are you just kind of like this is work I want to make and I'm taking the time to make it because now I have the ability to do that. Like how are you framing that? I, I never looked at it as this is too big or too small for me because I think that's not correct. I think the most important thing is for you to approach a project and see who is this person who's trying to acquire what they want to do and is it within w- my visual language and what I'm creating and will it live in a good home, institution, establishment, whatever it may be. It's it's never it's never about size or money for me. For me, it is about is it going to be a seamless transition of what I am creating and will it live in a place where I can be proud of it? So I had uh, just yesterday, or maybe a few days ago, someone mentioned someone emailed me and they lived uh, you know in the very rural northeast and they had sent me a very very heartfelt letter about their. Uh, 12 year old daughter and she apparently was a very big fan of mine i don't know through their instagram whatever it was but she had loved one of my paintings and she said i'm a single mother and for many years i've been doing x y and z and i mean to me that meant more to me than you know maybe um you know some huge place saying let's maybe put something together for us and we'll review it I prioritized that. And I said, you know, this is really important to me. And she had a very, very, very modest budget. And she was very transparent about um, kind of what the upbringing of, uh, of, of how, you know, the situ- I don't want to get too many, but like, you know, the details that she got into. And I said, you know, that's cool with me. I said, that's cool. Because to me, at the end of the day, we are artists. And we're here and we're not here to charge people interest and charge them fees on their checking account. We're fucking artists over here. You know, we are, if you want to create and 
adapt and, and if you want to just live this life and 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 be an artist as a career your job is to just create warm and happy and fuzzy or whatever your social narrative is but you your your objective should be to evoke emotions out of human beings and the fact that i saw that she was so genuine about that it didn't matter what other email i got after that i said this is what we needed to prioritize and 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 that's what i did the whole day I said, you know what, this, they're going to get this and I'm totally okay with that. And today is just going to be just watching out for her. And, and that's what it was. And we shipped it out in two days and I was very happy to do it. And to me, again, it's, it, it, it's not about who's coming to me, meaning Madison Square Garden has come to me. They're really, really good people over there. And I've grown up a diehard Knicks fan. By the way, which reminds me the score right now in this game. We, I turned down the Knicks game also. <laughs> but, um, but uh, you know, I, I, I've drawn a lot of laterals tonight about a lot of things that I could say is my philosophy that is translatable into any other industry. But one thing I will say about art that is not translatable to any industry is, is that there are real, serious human emotions evolved in this. And if you're doing your job correctly and effectively, and you really are bringing those emotions out into whoever it is, your collectors, your viewers, your, whatever it is, and they can tell you and they can articulate to you that this, this made them or affected them or changed them in a certain way or made them feel something your job as a creator is is to kind of you should reward that i mean i mean these are the people that are really truly understanding who you are at your core as a creator so to me it's not about uh, if it's a you know billion dollar building or dubai or or if it's just you know you want to you want to stay true to yourself you want everything to be organic you want everything to be seamless and correct and you want whatever it is that you're creating to translate through. And I know it's easier said than done, but to me, that is the most important and rewarding part of what I do. So, and, and, and that's what I'll say about that. It, it, to me, as much as it is in a business, it also, I, I'm not a conventional entrepreneur. I, meaning, I probably would have been, you know, just fine doing any kind of line of work just because I had basic discipline and intellect. But, this creative world is kind of has this uh, the Joker card in it, if you will, and and that's what I think a lot of creatives have, and it's what you do with that that really defines you. Yeah, and I think you've been able to you've you've translated a bunch of different things. You've translated like those early relationships into like a bunch of early celebrity clients into a bunch of you know the series of of things that you did not just as an artist, but all those kind of tangent and, and ancillary skill sets that you, you kind of have um, that, that gave you access to a lot of things and let you kind of build your career, um, I think has been uh, super, super interesting. I that. Thank you. Um, that said, I think that we're kind of on, we've, we've kind of hit our hour mark. Um, and I think that was uh, a and now nice we're going to a commercial break. We'll be right back after the no, no commercial breaks. <laughs> but I think that was like, uh, you know, as far as an artist go and kind of the way you kind of see and think, uh, you know, 
kind of the way creative should be and kind of look at the world. I, I think that's a nice place to end it. Um, uh, is there anything else you want to jump or chime in before we go? Yeah. Let's go Knicks. Hopefully we don't get fucking knocked out right now. I don't, I'm not even checking the score right now. Holy shit. Sean, you can, <laughs> I did for you tonight. Unbelievable. Over here. Uh, and we took a Knicks fan <laughs> away from an important game. Nah, hey, uh, Jojo. I appreciate so much for your time. Um, it was super interesting to 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 nah, learn good. and relearn all this stuff. Um, and thank I you. Love Sean Claude. Always, always been a big fan of yours. You're a good man. You got a good soul. You're a good cre. You're you're a creator at heart. I love that. You have. Uh, you're a good man, Sean. So anytime, anything you need, you know where to find me, my man. Thank you, Jojo. I appreciate it. Okay, guys, this is the business we've chosen. Both Jojo and I have chosen it. And until next week, we'll talk then.